Hello and welcome to another Oxford Sandy and Black Pig Group podcast. I'm your regular host, Andrew O'Shea. In this podcast, we're lucky to be joined by a lady called Nicola Gummery. Uh, Nicola works for AHDB. Uh, her and her team are primarily responsible for the EAML2 um, system that we're all familiar with when it comes to moving pigs, along with all the other items like Pig Hub that all integrate with that platform. Uh, and Kim is interviewing uh, Nicola, asking some of the frequently asked questions that we get on the group um, that will hopefully provide some clarification for uh, our members around uh, pig movements uh, and uh, associated legalities. So without further ado, I shall hand over to Kim. So good morning, and I'm very pleased to say that um, we've eventually got together with Nicola Gummery. Nicola is a lady who um, heads up the um, electronic movement license, or better known to us all as the EAML2. Um, I think it was quite a while since the last time we met you, Nicola, wasn't it? I think it's 2018, I think. Was it? Yeah, I think and it that was. was yeah. I think um, you kindly came to Sirencester and did a talk for the charity, didn't you? I um, did, yeah. With, was it with George Pig Vets as well, where we did pig? It was, yeah. Excellent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was um, that was a good day actually. A lovely it was, day, wasn't it? It yeah. was a really good day. Yeah, and I, I'm unfortunately I got terribly lost as I recall on the way there, um, and missed all the interesting pig bits. So I think you had a bit of a show, didn't you, at the beginning? Did you have some of the pigs come? That's the... right, because we were talking about the different um, breed confirmations, um, and then we also had. Yes, because they also brought um, a big pig with them as well, because we had, um, when George Vets turned up, Alex, it was, turned up with a yeah. big pig, didn't it? Well, it was a big plastic pig, anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> but look, thank you so much for, for, for joining us this morning, Nicola. Um, what I want to know, um, we, we want to talk about the movement license, because questions yeah. are always turning up. But before we do that, will you please let everybody know what you do and what your fantastic team does for us all, please? Indeed. So, as Kim has said, I'm Nikki, and I manage the bureau team for AHDB. So there is four of people with my team and myself, so we're a team of five in total. So not very big, considering we cover an awful lot of work for AHDB. And we work across sectors now. So we work, we do things with FarmBench, which is a benchmarking tool um, for businesses, right the way through to doing, um, we, we, we got involved with the COVID-19 help desk this year. So our team are very focused on customer service and helping people. We don't know everything, but we tend to know everyone. <laughs> there is no hiding from us. Um, so if we don't know the answer, we can normally find it out for you or we can point you in the right direction. Now, the biggest sector that we support is the pork sector and we um, support the EAML2, that's the pig movement licensing system, the e-medicine book for pigs, Pig Pro, which is a professional development tool um, for pig keepers, which I don't think um, the audience of this podcast will use very much, but actually it's something they should probably look into. Um, and then finally, we um, also support PigHub, where you put all your information in and it feeds out into all these different systems. Um, as I say, there's four of us, so we're a small team. And if I have a look at 
um the type of the type of calls that, that we get are so varied they are literally can you do me a movement license can you confirm a movement for me right the way through to i'm just about to start keeping pigs what do i do and we can talk them through the whole process the team are experienced and knowledgeable um and as i say their focus really is on customer service so if if they can help they will do that they will go the extra mile they're really used to talking to people that aren't particularly computer savvy so they can talk people through doing that or we can do things for them so it, you know it's a real variety of of skills and knowledge that they have um but as i say the focus is on making sure we get satisfaction for the customer at the end of the day and i know that um especially a lot of our our supporters on the Oxford Sandy Black Pig group always very highly of your team whenever would they get caught up in something um, and when they want to know something or they want to be guided they've always come onto the group and said just spoken to to the email to um, department really helpful very efficient um, so you can be very proud in, 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 I, in I am very uh, proud of the team um, the as you know, and it's always with the meetings that um, you've attended and I've attended over the years, the movement license has got a lot of things on there. And, yeah. we're, and, and some of them we look at, we think, yeah, we understand that, that that doesn't mean anything to us, where they have the, um, is, are your pigs in a pyramid? And we need yeah. to ignore that. Um, and, but the one that always crops up is, do I take controlled or uncontrolled? And we know, and so I know your explanations, but I think it would be lovely yeah. if you just run through it. About, yeah, so, so controlled and non-controlled links to how you house your pigs, but also the link then is to do with, with trichinella testing. So once the pig has been slaughtered, a sample of the meat is sent off um, to be tested for trichinella, which is a parasite, I think. I'm not a vet. <laughs> um, it doesn't cost anything, but the cost generally is to the, the fact that the slaughterhouse has to keep the meat before it can get it back out again. However, the reason we ask about it is um, to make sure that we don't get trichinella in this country again. I don't believe we've had it since the 70s, but the reason for that is because we do our testing. So back to controlled and non-controlled housing. This has been, I can't remember when, but it was introduced, I think, early in 2013, 2014, um, as a question on the food chain information part of the licence. Um, and controlled, is means you don't have a trichinella test non-controlled means you do have a trichinella test and what it looks at the base the very basic answer is if they're controlled they're indoors if they're non-controlled they're outdoors however there is no real guidance on this so i can and i don't know whether on a podcast if we can do some links but i can certainly provide some links for you to go and look at the very detailed annex part of the licensing um, legislation which is probably about 15 pages long in itself um, AHDB also produced some guidance but the, the crux of it is whether wildlife can get into your pig's food and into your pig's water 
And that's what I always ask people. So you may well have an outdoor bred pigs and outdoor reared pigs, but you're very, very stringent on how their food is kept and how their water housing systems are. So you can get water housing systems that have roofs on them and are secure, etc. So that's the real crux of it. Can wildlife get to your animals feed and your animals water? Now, I'm not a pig keeper. Sorry. Go on, Kim. Sorry. No, sorry. Um, so therefore, um, so for example, your pigs are outside, they're kept outside, the boar comes to the sow, serves the sow outside, the sow is in pig outside, and then the sow is brought inside to farrow. She farrows, and then the sow takes her wean, her piglets outside at three weeks, and they are brought up outside and then they are brought back in again say at eight weeks nine weeks and the sow is then weaned from her piglets then those piglets that are in the barn are then brought up inside fed inside and then they go from slaughter from the barn um so at 26 weeks will those pigs then be classed as controlled yes so it's the bringing, yeah. it's the bringing them in, and finishing mm -hmm. them indoors, um, okay. where you've got much more control around yeah. their environment. I've I've had so people will ring me up and say, well, this is what happens, and this is how I do this, and it's and it's different for each individual. Yes. What I would say to everybody is, you in at the end of the day, you sign that license. It's a legal document. As long as you are happy, hand on heart, with what you've said, then I don't think FSA are going to come running and gunning for smallholders who who either make yes. a mistake or haven't quite understood the very, very, very complicated legislation. And and that's the takeaway for me for all of the things that we put on that EAML2 license. It's a legal document that you sign. So how comfortable are you? with what is written on that license. We, we are happy to change things. If you have a discussion with your vet, with your um, colleagues that also breed animals, with the slaughterhouse, and you think, actually, do you know what? I don't think, I think I do control their housing. And I wanna change that answer. We will do that on the say-so of the owner of the pigs. We will not change a license if you go to a slaughterhouse and the abattoir calls us and said, oh, they put it down wrong. We won't change it on their say-so because it's you guys that sign that document and that's why it's so important. You understand it, you make that decision, you sign it, then I think you're good to go. Brilliant, okay. The, the length of time um of that the movement license to be completed nicola is there is there a length of time that um you like to see these forms processed um and also they can do it via the mobile phone as well i believe yeah so um all pig movements need to be pre-notified so unlike other species you can't ring us up and say oh, i moved some pigs yesterday can you register it we will register it if there's been a problem or you didn't realize we will do that but actually the legislation states that all pigs 
should be pre-notified of movements. So you need to do your license. You can do it on the day, but you need that piece of paper to travel with your pigs wherever they're going. We then need, if you're sending your pigs, so if you're the sender of the pigs, you need on the same day to just confirm that those pigs have left you and they've left you in good condition. And then when you receive pigs, you have three days to confirm that you've received the pigs onto your holding and various questions, condition, etc. You can do all of those things by um, text messaging, but before you do that, you need to register your own mobile phone in order to be able to confirm movements by text. So you might well get the phone number off the bottom of the license, but if you haven't registered with my team, then you're not going to be able to do that. You'll get an error text message back. It's easy to and register. How do you do that? Yeah, it's easy to register. You can do it on, on the EAML2 system. So there is a part of the system that says SMS registration and you register your mobile phone there. Or you can give our team a call and we'll register your mobile phone for you. Simple. Brilliant. We've got a lovely little document as well, um, which shows you A, how to register, and then also what you need to text, depending on whether you're the sender or the receiver. So it's got all the instructions. So again, if anybody wants that, give the team a call and we can get them copies of that, those instructions. Now you mentioned, Nicola, that we have to, um, we have to carry, when we're transferring and picking up our wieners, our pigs, um, that we have to have the, the hauliers um, summary. Yeah. At the beginning of this year, with all that was going on with COVID, um, the, your team, mm. departments, um, made a, um, some additional paperwork that we had to use, which was a, a COVID-19 letter that was issued by yeah. AHD. Is that letter still to be used today? I don't think it's necessary anymore. I think okay. so initially when COVID hit, we had people that were being so I think um, dairy, we had some workers that couldn't get onto farm to milk. Um, and we also had some workers that couldn't get into abattoirs as, as abattoir workers. And this is where the a little bit of panic and a little bit of, oh, we can't move and we can't do this came about throughout the whole of the COVID um, outbreak that up until this point, there have not been any restrictions on the movement of actual animals. And also there haven't been restrictions on the movement of people that are going to, to do stuff with the, so either moving the animals, feeding the animals, that kind of stuff, yeah. animal welfare type exercises. Um, so I don't think that letter is necessary. I think at the beginning there was a lot of confusion for police officers who were stopping people and, and various things. I think all of that is much clearer now. If people want to continue to take the letter with them, then they can, but I don't think it's necessary. And if anybody ever has any issues while they're in transit or they get to an abattoir or anything like that, then give us a call and providing it's within our office hours, we'll do our best to help out where we can. But no, I don't think that letter is necessary anymore. Brilliant. Okay. So sticking with um, traveling, um, wieners are picked up in, in different ways. Um, they come in trailers and wieners will also be picked up in a dog crate and in the back of a car. Now, and they also, there is also a distance that we are allowed to travel. And when we go over a certain distance, we then have to have um, a license. That's right, now, yeah. Nicola, is it um, 
is it is it deemed okay to um, travel with piglets? Or, sorry, with wieners um, in a in a dog crate in the back of the car when they're picking them up, and does the distance affect that? So. I think you have to decide for yourself whether you think putting piglets in a dog crate in the back of a car is a safe method of transportation for livestock. Um, there, there is nothing written down that specifically says you can't do that. Mm -hmm. However, um, for me, once again, it's back to the how, how do I feel about this and is this the right thing to do? Now, I would suspect that most of your members probably don't do that because they have trailers um, that they put animals in. And it, it might be that you need to um, confine your trailer a little bit if you've, got, if you've got wieners in there so they're not rolling about the place. But I appreciate that actually some people who buy pet pigs probably get given them in car trailer crates. <laughs> Um, and then then they think that's okay so uh, for me that question is how does it feel and how is how comfortable are those animals so it's about welfare for me um with regard to length of time so um and distance you don't need any special licenses if you're traveling under 50 kilometers which is roughly 31 miles so if it's a short journey you don't need any extra training or any extra authorization. Anything over 65 kilometers or um, up to eight hours, you're gonna then need um, a type one transporter authorization. If you Google that on the DEFRA site, you'll get links to all the right places where you need to go to get the paperwork. But it's basically, you do some tests and it's around, um, are you competent to, um, herd and move animals and are you competent to drive a trailer and things like that but all the information is found on the gov site um, okay. I think another really interesting um, new document is the new code of practice for the welfare of pigs now that again there aren't very specifics in there but I think that's a new document and it's a nicely presented document and it covers everything um, and I think if you're unsure, have a look at that. If you're still unsure, perhaps have a chat with with people that are also that move and handle animals and get some advice from them. If you're still unsure, I might think is what I'm doing the right thing. Yes. Um, you know, so it, it's for me, it's about welfare. If it's the only thing you've got and it feels comfortable and it feels safe, then I guess that's better than nothing. But. I would expect livestock to be travelled to be properly transported, if I'm honest. Okay, so uh, there. So you've basically answered the, another question that comes up a lot is when people say that um, they they've gone to pick up a, a sow or a boar, um, and as long as there is two adults driving that vehicle, they don't necessarily need a license to be travelling over the designated distance of whatever that may be. Um, so they seem to, I think what the interpretation is, if there's two adults and one pig, they can travel with that pig because the, there's two people to handle and manoeuvre. It, 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 and that would suggest that the welfare is about the two people that are driving. 
that one of them is okay and after eight hours one of them they can swap and that makes the human element okay actually all of this legislation is about the welfare of the animal the, the animal doesn't care if you swap drivers that doesn't make the animal more comfortable less needing of water less needing of of, of a break so from my yeah. point of view no it's about distance and everything that is written is about welfare of the pig, not the now, I don't know if you can answer this one, little, but this is something that, that that happens quite a lot with our members. So, as you know, that we, um, in particular, recently we we we've, we've done something called the genetic spread allowance. So we're, we're we're helping people to populate bloodlines and get a good genetic spread of our breed up and down the country, all over the place. So, of course, with that um, happening, they will travel to and from wales no problem then they'll most probably want to go from ireland and then of course traveling to and from scotland how does the movement license here in england work with with scotland how does that work so scot scotland use a different system called yes. scotty id mm -hmm. um i unfortunately um I was probably about ready. We were going to do a visit to Scotty ID probably at the beginning of this year, just as we were all stopped from moving anyway. Uh -oh. So I've never really seen Scotty ID, but as far as I'm concerned, it works in a very similar way. But if you're moving from England into Scotland, you do your license in exactly the same way. So you'll, you'll do your EAML2 movement license and you'll find the Scottish de destination on our system. So it's exactly the same. When you're moving from Scotland into England, I can't comment. I think that you do exactly the same thing and our systems talk to one another and it creates a movement reference in our EAML2. But I'm not 100%. If, if people are moving the other way around, then I think a phone call to Scotty ID, just to be sure that you're doing the right things for the Scottish system, I think would be the best thing to do. But England and Scotland, exactly the same as you would do any other movement. Again, around travelling, you just need to make sure that, that the distance, that if it needs to be, you're taking the right rest stops um, and that you're, if, if necessary, overnighting in a collection centre um, so that you can rest those pigs properly. Again, I, I would look at the, the DEFRA really deep down into the detail if you need to. All the information is there on the DEFRA websites. Um, and again, I can provide links for people to go in and, and get what they need. Thank you. Now, you don't, your department doesn't do just movement licenses, does it, Nicola? Um, no. we're, what um, I am constantly going on about on, on the Oxford Sandback Pig Group is also about the medicine book and the disease charter. Um, and could you explain to, to us about that what do you do yeah um, so so the medicine book um is another tool created by ahdb supported by my team and it is exactly what it says on the tin it's an electronic medicine book now there's several different ways that you can use it you can use it as a full medicine book um for every single um medicine that's administered to every single um animal or you can use it as a um a summary so you can do quarterly summaries of the medicine that's been administered and to the number of animals so you can go very very specific or you can have a general summary it came about that if you're an assured farmer so if you're red tractor assured 
you have to record your medicines. And when you have a red tractor inspection, part of that inspection is to have a look at your medicine usage. Now, a lot of smaller producers aren't using it, but they can use it. It's a free resource. And if you've got an office full of paperwork, and actually what you're trying to do is become a bit smarter about how you work. And I, I try to become paperless. I'm not, I'm not 100% successful, but this is another tool that can help you do that. You know, you come back into the office or the home, wherever you do paperwork, you log into EAML2, you link across into EMB. It's all single sign-on, so there's no extra usernames and passwords. Um, there's lots of help. There's lots of user guides. But I do think it's it links everything together. If you're gonna, you get, you have to go on the computer to do your electronic movement. Why not do your medicines there as well? It gives you some really nice benchmarking um, around farms that are of a similar size. So the more smallholders um, and pedigree producers that, that use it, the more data that's on there and the better you can think, oh, I'm doing okay against the average, you know, or, and not that that, well, it was never designed to stop people using antibiotics. It was always designed just to monitor, mm -hmm. but, but it was about using antibiotics for welfare reasons, not just because that's what the vet did. Oh, you know, we do this every month because that's what we do. So that's what we were trying to get away from. So it's a successful tool. Um, it's it's looking like it's about to be launched into um, other species as well. So um, beef and cattle and sheep for the option for the, for those species to start using it as well, which will be run by AHDB. Um, but yeah, it, it's a really handy tool. It's easy to use. It gives you instant access to stuff. You can put your feed. If so, if you have medication via feed, you can put your feed stock in there and things like that. It's worth having going and having a play and then ringing the team and saying, right, I've had a play. What do I do now? And, and again, we'll talk you through that. Um, so again, that is, that is specific. It's not specific for um, the large scale producers. No, definitely it's not. For us as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think all the tools often are designed for the big, with the big producers in mind, but, we always have our eye on what does everybody else need and how can everybody else use it. The, and you, and it, they're used in different ways. You know, the big producer will get, um, will bulk upload stuff and, and use it in a very different way. But I think for, for the smaller scale producers, it's just as useful and it, it has lots of stuff on there. And the more, from my point of view, the more people go on to PigHub and see all the links and all the different things, the better informed you are and, and therefore the better choices and decisions you can make. And, it, and it's important to let people know as well, isn't it, Nicola? Because a lot of people think that when you mention things like the medicine book, the movement license, um, the disease charter, that they all think these are different um, usernames and passwords to, to get into. No. Right? Is it? No. Every single thing in Pork is one, one username and password. And you can get to everywhere from that. So um, the majority of the people that listen to this will already log on to EAML2. On the beginning of that page where you click on set up a move, there's a little pink pig. And you can click on that and that takes you through to PigHub. And from there, you can get to everything. 
you can get to podcasts that AHDB have done, you can get to newsletters that AHDB have done, you can get to EMB, you can get to PigPro. PigPro is a professional development tool, so yes. it's where you keep your training documents. And I think that is becoming more and more important because it's a place where you can hold your training records, even if it's just you're a one-man band and it's you, to prove that you know about welfare, that you all these different things that you've done. Um, and I think that's going to become more and more important in the future as we look at welfare. Mm -hmm. And as, as welfare quite rightly moves up the agenda all the time, then I think to be able to prove to the outside world, here you go, I'm Nikki, and this is the effort I've put into learning about this and keeping up my skills. And so any animals you have for me, you know that they're going to be looked after because not only do I make the effort with them, but I've made the effort with myself to make sure that yeah. I keep up to date with things. So I think all that kind of stuff is really important. The disease charter is something, again, it's open to everybody. You link to it through PigHub, and it basically it's, it's for um, non-notifiable diseases. Now, I've had to get it up on my computer because I can never say any of the diseases properly. <laughs> so at the moment, <laughs> I have to have them in front of me. So at the moment, we have porcine epidemic diarrhea, which is PED, and swine dysentery. They're the two diseases that are currently on the charter. And what that does is people that are signed up to it, it's voluntary. Um, and if anybody gets suspected cases, then people are informed. They don't know any, they don't know, any, there's no, you can't identify the farm where, where the disease is suspect, suspected. And then if it's confirmed, again, we all get an, we get an email and all it gives you is the postcode. So you can think, actually, do you know what? Do I want to move in and out of that area at the moment? You may well want to. It, it doesn't mean to say you can't, but it gives you extra information. Um, it's just making you aware, isn't it, of the diseases and absolutely. the they are in the county. Um, I mean, I, I know I'm signed up to it, and it is very interesting to see where it's happening. And it also gives you an idea of the um, protocols that are in place at the time. And then you're informed again when it's been lifted. So... Um, I do think will, will there be additional diseases that will be added to that do you think I, I, well one of the things when you sign up to it is that there may be additional diseases that are added um and that's something that our welfare team talk to APHA animal plant and health agency about all the time um so obviously ASF is on everyone's mind at the moment yes. but that but that's a notifiable disease so that's done in a different way that's that's run by APHA um, and and they run what happens if ever that makes it across that bit that tiny bit of water um, so that's slightly different but yes yeah, certainly I think there's always that conversation about different diseases and whether we attach them then to that to that disease charter at the moment it's only those two but but it but there's always the possibility that that will change Wonderful, thank you. Um, before we finish, Nicola, there was one thing now I've just noticed that um, happened on, on our group and a lady is moving from one part of, um, from one county to another. She's left her property, so therefore her CPH um, number, her county parish holding number has now um, ended where she's leaving and she's got a new one to where she's going to. And the question that she asked was, do I still have to do a movement license? Because 
um, if I put the movement license from where I'm moving my pigs to my new movement license, the old movement license obviously isn't in existence. Yes. So she needs to create the license on her old CPH to her new CPH to show that the pigs have traveled from one to the other. What we will then do, or she can probably do it, but if not, give our team a call. We close that, that account down of her CPH. We reopen her a new one with a new CPH, move her um, username and password across to that account. But then when she logs on, she can still see everything that happened on her old one. It's just a closed account. So nobody can use it as a destination to move pigs to, is in essence what happens. But yes, it's important that she shows the pigs moving from one to the other because they've physically moved as well, I'm guessing, if she's moved counties. Yes. Yes. Um, so yes. she'll need that license when she physically moves the pigs across. Yes. If she thinks she shut something down too early and can't do any of those things, again, call the team and they'll sort it out in the background for her to make sure that she can do what she needs to do. Brilliant. Thank you. So, Nicola, I just want to say thank you very, very much for your time. It's lovely. I mean, we're doing this on Zoom, so um, um supporters can't see this but it's lovely um, and it's just and, and just I also want to say a, a big thank you to you and your team for everything that you do because you are efficient you're very professional every time people have you know phoned you up um, it's been oh it's been really great and my mind has been put at rest um, but please can you just give out um, your website and the telephone number um, and, yeah. and let everybody know where, where we can get hold of you, please. Yeah, so website is www.eaml2.org.uk. Um, phone number is 0844-335-8400. There are four options, hit any of them. It comes through to the same people. It just helps us understand what you might want to ask a question about. <laughs> It gives us a bit of a clue what you might want to talk about. Um, and our email address is eaml2 at ahdb.org.uk. Brilliant. It's been an Thanks absolute so much. pleasure, Kim. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, thank you very much to Nicola Gumry there, um, giving her time um, to share some very useful information uh, with us and, and the group. Uh, just a reminder, if you need more information um, or need to reach out to Nicola and her team, the website is eaml2.org.uk. Um, you give them a call on 0844-335-8400 or you can drop an email to eaml2, the number two, at ahdb.org.uk. Well, Thank you very much for tuning in to, to this episode of the podcast. Uh, as usual, if anyone wants to feature or has any topics they'd like to discuss in a podcast, please drop me an email, uh, andrew at oxfordsandyandblackpiggroup.org. Until next time, I've been Andrew O'Shea. Happy pig keeping.